section eight of appreciations with an essay on style this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer Appreciations by Walter Pater Section 8 Sir Thomas Brown Part 1 English prose literature towards the end of the seventeenth century, in the hands of Dryden and Locke, was becoming, as that of France had become at an earlier date, a matter of design and skilled practice, highly conscious of itself as an art, and, above all, correct. Up to that time it had been, on the whole, singularly informal and unprofessional, and by no means the literature of the man of letters as we understand him. Certain great instances there had been of literary structure or architecture, the ecclesiastical polity, the leviathan. But for the most part that earlier prose literature is eminently occasional, closely determined by the eager practical aims of contemporary politics and theology, or else due to a man's own native instinct to speak because he cannot help speaking. Hardly aware of the habit he likes talking to himself, and when he writes, still in undress, he does but take the friendly reader into his confidence. The type of this literature, obviously, is not Locke or Gibbon, but, above all others, Sir Thomas Brown. As Jean-Paul is a good instance of it in German literature, always in its developments so much later than the English, and as the best instance of it in French literature, in the century preceding Brown, is Montaigne, from whom indeed in a great measure all those tentative writers or essayists derive. It was a result, perhaps, of the individualism and liberty of personal development which, even for a Roman Catholic, were effects of the Reformation, that there was so much in Montaigne of the subjective, as people say, of the singularities of personal character. Brown, too, bookish as he really is, claims to give his readers a matter not picked from the leaves of any author, but bred amongst the weeds and tares of his own brain. The faults of such literature are what we all recognize in it, unevenness, alike in thought and style, lack of design, and caprice, the lack of authority, after the full play of which there is so much to refresh one in the reasonable transparency of Hooker, representing thus early the tradition of a classical clearness in English literature anticipated by Latimer and Moore, and to be fulfilled afterwards in Butler and Hume. But then, in recompense for that looseness and whim, in Sir Thomas Brown, for instance, we have in those quaint writers, as they themselves understood the term, coint, adorned, 
but adorned with all the curious ornaments of their own predilection provincial or archaic certainly unfamiliar and selected without reference to the taste or usages of other people the charm of an absolute sincerity with all the ingenuous and racy effect of what is circumstantial and peculiar in their growth the whole creation is a mystery and particularly that of man at the blast of his mouth were the rest of the creatures made and at his bare word they started out of nothing but in the frame of man he played the sensible operator and seemed not so much to create as to make him when he had separated the materials of other creatures there consequently resulted a form and soul but having raised the walls of man he was driven to a second and harder creation of a substance like himself an incorruptible and immortal soul there we have the manner of sir thomas brown in exact expression of his mind minute and curious in its thinking but with an effect on the sudden of a real sublimity or depth his style is certainly an unequal one it has the monumental aim which charmed and perhaps influenced johnson a dignity that can be attained only in such mental calm as follows long and learned pondering on the high subjects brown loves to deal with it has its garrulity its various levels of painstaking its mannerism pleasant of its kind or tolerable together with much to us intolerable but of which he was capable on a lazy summer afternoon down at norwich and all is so oddly mixed showing in its entire ignorance of self how much he and the sort of literature he represents really stood in need of technique of a formed taste in literature of a literary architecture and yet perhaps we could hardly wish the result different in him any more than in the books of burton and fuller or some other similar writers of that age mental abodes we might liken after their own manner to the little old private houses of some historic town grouped about its grand public structures which when they have survived at all posterity is loath to part with for in their absolute sincerity not only do these authors clearly exhibit themselves the unique peculiarity of the writer's mind being as johnson says of brown faithfully reflected in the form and matter of his work but even more than mere professionally instructed writers they belong to and reflect the age they lived in in essentials of course even brown is by no means so unique among his contemporaries and so singular as he looks and then as the very condition of their work there is an entire absence of personal restraint in dealing with the public whose humours they come at last in a great measure to reproduce to speak more properly 
they have no sense of a public to deal with at all only a full confidence in the friendly reader as they love to call him hence their amazing pleasantry their indulgence in their own conceits but hence also those unpremeditated wild flowers of speech we should never have the good luck to find in any more formal kind of literature it is in truth to the literary purpose of the humorist in the old-fashioned sense of the term that this method of writing naturally allies itself of the humorist to whom all the world is but a spectacle in which nothing is really alien from himself who has hardly a sense of the distinction between great and little among things that are at all and whose half-pitying half-amused sympathy is called out especially by the seemingly small interests and traits of character in the things or the people around him certainly in an age stirred by great causes like the age of brown in england of montaigne in france that is not a type to which one would wish to reduce all men of letters still in an age apt also to become severe or even cruel its eager interest in those great causes turning sour on occasion the character of the humorist may well find its proper influence through that serene power and the leisure it has for conceiving second thoughts on the tendencies conscious or unconscious of the fierce wills around it something of such a humorist was brown not callous to men and their fortunes certainly not without opinions of his own about them and yet undisturbed by the civil war by the fall and then the restoration of the monarchy through that long quiet life ending at last on the day himself had predicted as if at the moment he had willed in which all existence as he says had been but food for contemplation johnson in beginning his life of brown remarks that brown seems to have had the fortune common among men of letters of raising little curiosity after their private life whether or not with the example of johnson himself before us we can think just that it is certain that brown's works are of a kind to directly stimulate curiosity about himself about himself as being manifestly so large a part of those works and as a matter of fact we know a great deal about his life uneventful as in truth it was to himself indeed his life at norwich as he gives us to understand seemed wonderful enough of these wonders says johnson the view that can now be taken of his life offers no appearance but we carry with us as brown writes the wonders we seek without us and we may note on the other hand a circumstance which his daughter mrs littleton tells us of his childhood his father used to open his breast when he was asleep and kiss it in prayers over him as tis said of origen's father 
that the holy ghost would take possession there it was perhaps because the son inherited an aptitude for a like profound kindling of sentiment in the taking of his life that uneventful as it was commonplace as it seemed to johnson to brown himself it was so full of wonders and so stimulates the curiosity of his more careful reader of to-day what influence says johnson again learning has had on its possessors may be doubtful well the influence of his great learning of his constant research on brown was its imaginative influence that it completed his outfit as a poetic visionary stirring all the strange conceit of his nature to its depths brown himself dwells in connection with the first publication extorted by circumstance of the religio medici on the natural inactivity of his disposition and he does as i have said pass very quietly through an exciting time born in the year of the gunpowder plot he was not in truth one of those clear and clarifying souls which in an age alike of practical and mental confusion can anticipate and lay down the bases of reconstruction like bacon or hooker his mind has much of the perplexity which was part of the atmosphere of the time not that he is without his own definite opinions on events for him cromwell is a usurper the death of charles an abominable murder in spite of what is but an affectation perhaps of the sceptical mood he is a churchman too one of those who entered fully into the anglican position so full of sympathy with those ceremonies and observances which misguided zeal terms superstition that there were some roman catholics who thought that nothing but custom and education kept him from their communion at the restoration he rejoices to see the return of the comely anglican order in old episcopal norwich with its ancient churches the antiquity in particular of the english church being characteristically one of the things he most valued in it vindicating it when occasion came against the unjust scandal of those who made that church a creation of henry the eighth as to romanists he makes no scruple to enter their churches in defect of ours he cannot laugh at but rather pities the fruitless journeys of pilgrims for there is something in it of devotion he could never hear the ave mary bell without an oraison at a solemn procession he has wept abundantly how english in truth all this really is it reminds one how some of the most popular of english writers in many a half-conscious expression have witnessed to a susceptibility in the english mind itself in spite of the reformation to what is affecting in religious ceremony only in religion as in politics brown had no turn for disputes 
was suspicious of them indeed knowing as he says with true acumen that a man may be in as just possession of truth as of a city and yet be forced to surrender even in controversies not necessarily maladroit an image in which we may trace a little contemporary colouring the enquiries into vulgar errors appeared in the year sixteen forty six a year which found him very hard on the vulgar his suspicion in the abstract of what bacon calls idola fori the idols of the market-place takes a special emphasis from the course of events about him being erroneous in their single numbers once huddled together they will be error itself and yet congruously with a dreamy sweetness of character we may find expressed in his very features he seems not greatly concerned at the temporary suppression of the institutions he values so much he seems to possess some inward platonic reality of them church or monarchy to hold by in idea quite beyond the reach of roundhead or unworthy cavalier in the power of what is inward and inviolable in his religion he can still take note in my solitary and retired imagination neque enim cum porticus aut me lectulus acepit desum mihi i remember i am not alone and therefore forget not to contemplate him and his attributes who is ever with me his father a merchant of london with some claims to ancient descent left him early in possession of ample means educated at winchester and oxford he visited ireland france and italy and in the year sixteen thirty three at the age of twenty-eight became doctor of medicine at leyden three years later he established himself as a physician at norwich for the remainder of his life having married a lady described as beautiful and attractive and affectionate also as we may judge from her letters and postscripts to those of her husband in an orthography of a homeliness amazing even for that age dorothy brown bore him ten children six of whom he survived their house at norwich even then an old one it would seem must have grown through long years of acquisition into an odd cabinet of antiquities antiquities properly so called his old roman or romanized british urns from walsingham or brampton for instance and those natural objects which he studied somewhat in the temper of a curiosity hunter or antiquary in one of the old churchyards of norwich he makes the first discovery of adipocere of which grim substance a portion still remains with him for his multifarious experiments he must have had his laboratory the old window stanchions had become magnetic proving as he thinks that iron acquires verticity 
from long lying in one position once we find him retiling the place it was then perhaps that he made the observation that bricks and tiles also acquire magnetic alliciency one's whole house one might fancy as indeed he holds the earth itself to be a vast lodestone the very faults of his literary work its desultoriness the time it costs his readers that slow latinity which johnson imitated from him those lengthy leisurely terminations which busy posterity will abbreviate all breathe of the long quiet of the place yet he is by no means indolent besides wide book learning experimental research at home and indefatigable observation in the open air he prosecutes the ordinary duties of a physician contrasting himself indeed with other students whose quiet and unmolested doors afford no such distractions to most persons of mind sensitive as his his chosen studies would have seemed full of melancholy turning always as they did upon death and decay it is well perhaps that life should be something of a meditation upon death but to many certainly browns would have seemed too like a lifelong following of one's own funeral a museum is seldom a cheerful place oftenest induces the feeling that nothing could ever have been young and to brown the whole world is a museum all the grace and beauty it has being of a somewhat mortified kind only for him poetic dream or philosophic apprehension it was this which never failed to evoke his wonderful genius for exquisitely impassioned speech over all those ugly anatomical preparations as though over miraculous saintly relics there was the perpetual flicker of a surviving spiritual ardency one day to reassert itself stranger far than any fancied odylic grave lights when brown settled at norwich being then about thirty-six years old he had already completed the religio medici a desultory collection of observations designed for himself only and a few friends at all events with no purpose of immediate publication it had been lying by him for seven years circulating privately in his own extraordinarily perplexed manuscript or in manuscript copies when in sixteen forty two an incorrect printed version from one of those copies much corrupted by transcription at various hands appeared anonymously brown decided royalist as he was in spite of seeming indifference connects this circumstance with the unscrupulous use of the press for political purposes and especially against the king at that time just here a romantic figure comes on the scene son of the unfortunate young everhard digby who perished on the scaffold for some half-hearted participation in the gunpowder plot kenelm digby 
brought up in the reformed religion had returned in manhood to the religion of his father in his intellectual composition he had in common with brown a scientific interest oddly tinged with both poetry and scepticism he had also a strong sympathy with religious reaction and a more than sentimental love for a seemingly vanishing age of faith which he for one would not think of as vanishing a copy of that surreptitious edition of the religio medici found him a prisoner on suspicion of a too active royalism and with much time on his hands the roman catholic although secure in his definite orthodoxy he finds himself indifferent on many points on the reality of witchcraft for instance concerning which brown's more timid personally grounded faith might indulge no scepticism forced himself nevertheless to detect a vein of rationalism in a book which on the whole much attracted him and hastily put forth his animadversions upon it brown with all his distaste for controversy thus found himself committed to a dispute and his reply came with the correct edition of the religio medici published at last with his name there have been many efforts to formulate the religion of the layman which might be rightly understood perhaps as something more than what is called natural yet less than ecclesiastical or professional religion though its habitual mode of conceiving experience is on a different plane yet it would recognize the legitimacy of the traditional religious interpretation of that experience generally and by implication only with a marked reserve as to religious particulars both of thought and language out of a real reverence or awe as proper only for a special place such is the lay religion as we may find it in addison in gray in thackeray and there is something of a concession a concession on second thoughts about it brown's religio medici is designed as the expression of a mind more difficult of belief than that of the mere layman as above described it is meant for the religion of the man of science actually it is something less to the point in any balancing of the religious against the worldly view of things than the religion of the layman as just now defined for brown in spite of his profession of boisterous doubt has no real difficulties and his religion certainly nothing of the character of a concession he holds that there has never existed an atheist not that he is credulous but that his religion is only the correlative of himself his peculiar character and education a religion of manifold association for him the wonders of religion its supernatural events or agencies are almost natural facts or processes even in this material fabric 
the spirits walk as freely exempt from the affection of time place and motion as beyond the extremest circumference had not divine interference designed to raise the dead nature herself is in act to do it to lead out the incinerated soul from the retreats of her dark laboratory certainly brown has not like pascal made the great resolution by the apprehension that it is just in the contrast of the moral world to the world with which science deals that religion finds its proper basis it is from the homelessness of the world which science analyzes so victoriously its dark unspirituality wherein the soul he is conscious of seems such a stranger that pascal turns again to his rest in the conception of a world of wholly reasonable and moral agencies for brown on the contrary the light is full design everywhere obvious its conclusion easy to draw all small and great things marked clearly with the signature of the word the adhesion the difficult adhesion of men such as pascal is an immense contribution to religious controversy the concession again of a man like addison of great significance there but in the adhesion of brown in spite of his crusade against vulgar errors there is no real significance the religio medici is a contribution not to faith but to piety a refinement and correction such as piety often stands in need of a help not so much to religious belief in a world of doubt as to the maintenance of the religious mood amid the interests of a secular calling from about this time brown's letters afford a pretty clear view of his life as it passed in the house at norwich many of these letters represent him in correspondence with the singular men who shared his own half poetic half scientific turn of mind with that impressibility towards what one might call the thaumaturgic elements in nature which has often made men dupes and which is certainly an element in the somewhat atrabiliar mental complexion of that age in england he corresponds seriously with william lilly the astrologer is acquainted with dr d who had some connection with norwich and has often heard him affirm sometimes with oaths that he had seen transmutation of pewter dishes and flagons into silver at least which the goldsmiths at prague bought of him brown is certainly an honest investigator but it is still with a faint hope of something like that upon fitting occasion and on the alert always for surprises in nature as if nature had a rhetoric at times to deliver to us like those sudden and surprising flowers of his own poetic style that he listens to her everyday talk so attentively of strange animals strange cures and the like his correspondence is full the very errors he combats are of course the curiosities of error 
those fascinating irresistible popular errors which various kinds of people have insisted on gliding into because they like them even his heresies were old ones the very fossils of capricious opinion it is as an industrious local naturalist that brown comes before us first full of the fantastic minute life in the fens and broads around norwich its various sea and marsh birds he is something of a vivisectionist also and we may not be surprised at it perhaps in an age which for the propagation of truth was ready to cut off men's ears he finds one day a scarabaeus capricornus odoratus which he takes to be mentioned by monfetus folio 150 he saith nucem moschatem et cinnamomum vere spirat but to me it smelt like roses santalum and ambergris musca tuliparum moschata again is a small bee-like fly of an excellent fragrant odour which i have often found at the bottom of the flowers of tulips is this within the experience of modern entomologists the garden of cyrus though it ends indeed with a passage of wonderful felicity certainly emphasises to say the least the defects of brown's literary good qualities his chimeric fancy carries him here into a kind of frivolousness as if he felt almost too safe with his public and were himself not quite serious or dealing fairly with it and in a writer such as brown levity must of necessity be a little ponderous still like one of those stiff gardens halfway between the medieval garden and the true english garden of temple or walpole actually to be seen in the background of some of the conventional portraits of that day the fantasies of this indescribable exposition of the mysteries of the quincunx form part of the complete portrait of brown himself and it is in connection with it that once or twice the quaintly delightful pen of evelyn comes into the correspondence in connection with the hortulane pleasure norwich he writes to brown is a place i understand much addicted to the flowery part professing himself a believer in the operation of the air and genius of gardens upon human spirits towards virtue and sanctity he is all for natural gardens as against those which appear like gardens of pasteboard and marspan and smell more of paint than of flowers and verdure brown is in communication also with ashmole and duddell the famous antiquaries to the latter of whom who had written a work on the history of the embanking of fens he communicates the discovery of certain coins on a piece of ground in the nature of an island in the fens end of section eight